0: on, Take your Bibles to Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13 this morning. I'm so grateful for this church family. I really am. Um, I'm grateful for Pastor Weigel. It's been uh, a great five years. They say that if you make it one year with Pastor Weigel, you can make it anywhere. (laughs) It's actually probably been me that said that, not anybody else. No, I'm I'm just kidding. It's been a blast. Uh, Pastor and I were talking the other day and And I think the word we used was fun. It's been fun. It's been fun serving together, and that's the way it should be. It's a joy to serve Jesus Christ. It's not some kind of uh, obligation that you feel like you've got a weight on your shoulder. If you're truly serving Him by faith, you have fun. You enjoy it. And sometimes you don't know what you're doing, which was basically the past five years for me. (laughs) Some of it. But I'm telling you, we had fun. We had a good time. It's been great. It's been great to have you as our church family. And uh, my wife and I have certainly felt your love over the past month. It's been a pretty crazy month. Um, it's been hectic and um, back and forth to Monmouth Medical Center. And it's 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 wonderful to see the healing hand of God on our son. It's, it's been great. It's been great to to see God uh, work even in the, the nurses' lives and, and just... Uh, knowing that Elliot came in one way and, and a couple of days later he was smiling and laughing and happy and it was just amazing to them. And our testimony was, it's God. It's God. It's Jesus Christ. And so we are so grateful. This morning I want to preach a message entitled, What is God's Will? And you say, well, Pastor Nick, isn't, isn't that something for the teenagers to figure out, not me? I think it's something we need to figure out every single day of our life. I think when we're 13 and when we're 35 and when we're 83, we still need to know what is God's will for my life today? What is God's will for my life this week? What is God's will for the rest of my life? And so I want to give four simple answers as to what is God's will. But first, let's take a look at Acts chapter number 13. And we're going to look at verses uh, 1 all the way down to verse number 5. And so we're going to dive into this passage and we're going to take a look at specifically Barnabas and, and Saul's life and take a look at uh, what God's will was for them and see that they were already involved in the will of God before the Holy Spirit even called them out to go. And so I want to take a look at that and, and we're going to have a good time in God's word this morning. Uh, now my ear's a little plugged up on this side, okay? So I need you to say amen a little bit louder, okay? So that I can, I'm I'm just playing around. That's okay. Acts chapter 13, verse number one. It says, Now there was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Amenaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And there at uh, uh, Salamis they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear God, just thank you so much for this wonderful passage of Scripture. We receive very clearly uh, you're calling out of these two specific men, and, and even John as well, and, and we see very clearly that you're moving, but God, I, I believe that uh, there is a will, even without uh, a specific um, example of calling out these men, we're performing your will even before this. And so, Lord, I, I just ask that you would help us to see what your will is for our lives daily, yearly, and, and really for the rest of our lives. Help us to answer these questions as, as to, to, to what do you want from me? And, and God, what, what, what is your will for me? Uh, God, I, I pray this to be a blessing and a help to uh, all of our church family this morning. And for those who are just visiting, God, I pray that it be a blessing. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. A couple years ago, my wife and I were uh, driving to Philadelphia. It was my birthday, and she had bought um, Eagles tickets for me uh, and they were playing on my birthday it was it was awesome it was great It was a Monday night game and and uh, they were playing against the Giants and so it was going to be no 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 don 't start that um, Just wait anyway so they were playing against the giants and and we were having a great uh, great time in the car because I was excited to get to the Eagles game and and, uh, and I'm sure most of you that drive, I don't really know the, the, the road names, actually, to be honest with you. I think it's 295. But you drive to 70, and then you get on 295, I think it is. And uh, we got on 295, and we could see kind of a buildup build of, of cars and things of that nature. And, uh, and I knew, okay, it's, it's traffic for the game, but we were, we were an hour and a half early. I mean, we were an hour and a half early, and and that just shows how crazy Philadelphia fans are. But anyway, we were an hour and a half early, and we were driving on 295, and the GPS said, all right, get off at this exit. And I was like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. There's something wrong with that because I know we're supposed to be going that way, not that way. And so the GPS kept telling us, get off at this exit in one mile. And I'm already in the left lane, and you know how it is. You're like, I'm not getting off there. No, no, no. I know which way to go. I know which way is better. But the GPS kept saying, get off, get off. There's a faster route. There's a faster route. And I'm like, you know what? As soon as I get over the Walt Whitman Bridge, I'm sure it'll all clear up. Boy, was I wrong. I'm telling you it's the worst traffic I've ever been in. I'm sure my wife can attest to this. She uh, sat there and and I was angry, not just angry, I was furious. We were literally a half a mile away from the stadium, and that hour and a half that we were early, now it was actually game time game time half a mile stuck in basically bumper to bumper traffic and uh, i'm I'm getting so upset that I'm literally like. Hitting my steering wheel. I'm almost embarrassed to say how upset I was. And uh, it was kind of one of those crazy nights. And I remember even just kind of pulling around uh, where you could actually see the stadium. You could see the stadium. And I couldn't get there. It was like, ah! Okay, now that all of you are, are up and awake after that. I, uh, I was watching and, and I actually turned the radio on to listen to the game. And because uh, the game had already started, and, and uh, within the first five minutes of the game, the Eagles scored a touchdown off in an interception, and they took it to the house, sir. And it was great. It was great because I'm listening to uh, Eagles legend Meryl Reese make the call. And, and he's got a very distinct voice. And he's saying, you oh, know, interception for the Eagles, you know. And he's saying, oh, they took it back. And I can see the green fireworks shoot off from the stadium when they, when they score a touchdown. And it, was, it was the greatest, angriest moment of my life. <laughs> and my wife just... She said something to me, and, and it probably was the right thing to say. And, and I, I really didn't like that she said it, but she was like, we probably should have followed the GPS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Was she right? And by the way, gentlemen, when your wife says to do something, they're probably right. I was just thinking to myself, so many times God says, get off at this exit, so to speak. God says, here's what I want you to do. Here's my plan for you. But you say, but God, I've got a plan already. God, I've got a way that I'm going already. Don't interfere with my route in life. Don't get in the way, God. God, this is the direction I'm going. I know what I'm doing. How many of you have said that to God before? I know what I'm doing. But the fact is, no, you don't. Neither do I. Even though I knew where I was going, I didn't know what I was doing. Wouldn't it just be better if we just said, God, you know what you're doing and I will follow. C.S. Lewis said, to walk out of his will is to walk into nowhere. To walk out of his will is to walk into nowhere. And so... I think we need to know what God's will is for our life, no matter what age you are, no matter what walk of life you are in, what is God's will first? And very, very clearly, God's will is personal salvation. God's will is personal salvation. 2 Peter 3, 9, why don't you turn there with me, no matter what dispensation you see, in Scripture, God's will has always been salvation. Even at the early uh, beginnings of time in the garden, uh, God gave a plan of salvation in Genesis 3.15. We call it the proto But here we find in 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as men clout, uh, count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word." Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My friend, if you're here and you're trusting in some other way to get to heaven, I'm telling you, the only way is Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter number 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way. And what repentance is, is turning away from any other way and turning to Jesus Christ. Today you need to turn to Jesus Christ. God is willing for you to be saved. God wants you to enjoy the benefits of salvation. God wants you to be part of His family. Uh, God loves you. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's will is for you to be saved this morning. Are you saved? Have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? First, I see the commission of Christ. We see it's God's will because we know the commission of Jesus Christ. Take your Bible to Matthew chapter number 28. We're going to be turning a lot this morning, so keep your fingers wet there, okay? Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 18 is where we're going to be looking. The commission of Christ, the command of Christ is very simple and it shows God's will in the process of personal salvation, he says. And Jesus said, verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world." Actually, if you just kind of flip a couple of books forward into the book of Acts, and this is kind of where we're kind of, kind of be located for the rest of the message in the book of Acts. But if you'll see in the book of Acts, uh, chapter number one, the disciples were so concerned with the Lord's coming that they missed out on His plan for now. Acts chapter number one, verse number six. Through 8 says, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Which again really just shows me that the disciples didn't always get it, even after Jesus was departed. They didn't always get it. His plan was for them to reach the world now with the gospel. Lord, wilt thou again, uh, uh, verse number six, Lord, wilt thou this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be what? Witnesses. That's God's plan. Why? Because his plan is for all to hear the gospel. Why? Because his will is that all should be saved. That's what he wants, that's what he desires. Are you saved this morning? Amen. Unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You know, I think we're so concentrated sometimes. I think the end times and revelation interests us and things of that nature. And it's not wrong. It's it's not wrong to be desirous of what God is going to do in the future or anything like that. But we become so focused on what God is going to do in the future that we forget about reaching souls right now. Pastor said something that broke my heart the other day. It broke my heart into pieces. And literally I went home and I was in tears thinking about this. He said, how many of you parents are saved and you're, you know your kids aren't saved? And when Christ comes and the church is raptured, those kids that aren't saved being left behind without a dad or a mom, it will happen. It will happen. This isn't a game. It's not something to play around with. This is life. This is life or death eternally. That's why the commission of Christ, the command of Christ is to go and reach all creatures. God's will is personal salvation. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. That's that simple. If you're not saved, you need to accept the fact that Jesus came to die for your sins, for all sin, and come short of the glory of God. But God commended this life for us in that while yet sinners, Christ what? Died for us. Man, that's grace, that's love. We sing that song, marvelous grace of our loving Lord. This morning I believe it was Laura that was playing on the piano, the love of God is greater. And it could just stop there. It's greater than anything. And that love was shown on the cross where Jesus Christ gave his life for the rest of the world. But let me ask my friends that have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, who have you told recently? Who have you told about that marvelous plan? Yesterday, I had a great opportunity with Daniel to be able to go out, and uh, it was awesome. It was awesome, man. I really enjoyed watching Daniel take tracks, and and, uh, he would go and take those tracks and put on a door, and then he would hurry up to go to the next door, and then to the next door, and even just fly blitzing, leaving that track with God's personal plan of salvation on a door. Hey, that's at least something. While most of us probably just sat back at our house and put some mulch on the ground yesterday, Daniel was out there taking some tracks and, and trying to tell people how to go to heaven. I was impressed by that. I was impressed by that. I was convicted by that. And I'm, I was there with my daughter because we're trying to train her early. That the most important mission in life is to glorify God with your life, but also to tell others about Jesus. And so she's walking hand in hand with me. And she would walk up to the door and I'd say, now you, you wait here for just a second. And, and I, I'd, I'd take the track and I'd put it in the door, grab her hand and go to the next door. I'm trying to teach them early. But I wonder, parents, do, you, do your kids know about salvation? Do your kids know about Jesus Christ? Why? Because it's the command of Christ to tell them. Why? Because it's the will of God that all should come to salvation. It's the concern of the apostles. It's the concern of the apostles. Take a look back and we're going to stay basically in the book of Acts at chapter number four of the book of Acts. This is really interesting. Chapter number four of the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost is passed. And the church is literally not just adding, it's multiplying. It's growing in leaps and bounds. People are getting saved. Uh, Great things are happening. Lives are being changed. And literally, lives are, are so significantly being changed that in Acts chapter number four, verse number 13, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. It's funny that they call people that are saved unlearned and ignorant. That's interesting to me. And they took knowledge of them. The world always takes knowledge of those who are bold for Jesus Christ, by the way. And I I believe that's truly at the hand of Satan. I do. He points a red X on your back and says, that's the one we got to take out. Verse number 14, And beholding the man which was healed, by the way, standing with them, They could say nothing against it, but when they had commanded them to go aside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but that they spread it no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them. That sounds familiar. Let us threaten them. Let's take away their tax exemption. Think about it. We're living in those days again. Let us threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this same or in this name, I'm sorry. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. I love this, I love this. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God judge ye, for we cannot speak the things which we have seen and heard. Hey, I can't help myself. I've got to talk about Jesus. I can't help myself. I've got to talk about His grace. I can't help myself. It's the love of God that compels me to go. I can't help it. Can you? Can you? Take a look at verse number 31. After all this, after they had been threatened, verse number 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Would it be to God that the church of 2019 would it be of one heart and one soul together preaching the word of God? Neither said any of them that ought to the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave his apostles witnesses. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. Let me ask you something. If this was the concern of the apostles, don't you think it should be the concern of our church today? It's the will of God that others hear the gospel. That's the will of God. Are we doing God's will? Number two, God's will is personal sacrifice. You don't have to turn there, but the Apostle Paul would later say in Philippians 1.20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. God's will is sometimes personal sacrifice. You can see that in uh, Romans chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2 giving my life a spiritual sacrifice to God, saying, God, here I am. Use me. And here's where we really get into the story of uh, of Barnabas and, and Saul. First of all, I see the surrender of the physical... At the end of chapter number 4, where you're at right now, it says in verse uh, number 34, Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought them the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down to the apostles' feet. And the distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see, all of my points, by the way, filter back to the first point. Because the point of his sacrifice was the spreading of the gospel. He said, listen, okay, if this is going to help the apostles get the gospel out, if this is going to help to grow and to continue to grow and to flourish, then I'm going to sell my land. I'm going to give up what I have. It's a physical sacrifice. What is holding you back? What physical thing is holding you back from doing the will of God? I believe that many times it's, it's something that literally almost has us figuratively chained uh, down by, uh, from keeping us from doing the will of God. Literally, it chains us. Some physical thing that will someday, as Jesus say, pass away. Right. Someday, those things will literally vanish, and they will corrupt, uh, and they will—they uh, uh, will become nothing but rust. But I believe it's some of those physical things that keeps many of us from doing the will of god you don't have to turn there but luke chapter 9 verse number 57 58 says and it came to pass that as they went the way a certain man said unto him lord i will follow thee whithersoever thou goest and jesus said unto them foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man hath not where to lay his head in other words i've got nothing i don't even have a home i've been rejected by my own people will you still follow me I've got nothing but contentment and peace and satisfaction to offer. I can't uh, guarantee you money. I can't guarantee you riches. I can't guarantee you have any physical thing. But what I can guarantee is everlasting satisfaction. Will you still follow me? Will you still go? Will you still surrender? Because many of us would probably in our voices say yes, but in our hearts say "Eh." I don't know, I've got a nice backyard. I don't know, my house is real nice. I've worked hard for that, though. God, yeah, I've worked hard. But when he says go, does it matter? Does it matter? Surrender of the physical. Barnabas is willing to say, I've got land, but I'm going to sell it because I know the will of God. Surrender of person. Take a look at Acts chapter number 9. We're going to get into the story of uh, Saul who would later become the Apostle Paul now a little bit. Acts chapter number 9. I, I mean, I don't need to rehash this story for you. You know the story. You understand he's on the road to Damascus. He is uh, literally persecuting the church one by one. Uh, in earlier chapters, we see Stephen and Saul is consenting unto his death. He's literally just standing there letting it happen and saying, hey, I approve of this. So he's on his road to Damascus, willing to basically do the same thing. And and here's what happens. Jesus shows up. And aren't you so glad that in your life Jesus showed up? Verse number five, or verse number four, And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. By the way, he called him Lord. He called him Lord. Master, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? But so many of us won't even utter those words to God because we're afraid of what comes next. But the soon to be apostle Paul said, God, whatever you want, I'm doing it. Your Lord, your master. That's the song we sung this morning as a choir, Then I Met the Master, but so many of us met the master and said, you know what, I'll just kind of keep you where you're at and I'll stay where I'm at and we'll be okay like that. But when Jesus comes in, he wants to change everything. He wants to send you where he wants you to go. God's will is personal sacrifice it's surrender of the physical it's surrender of person but it's also and I thought of this as well it's surrender of the psychological I I I want to explain this because Barnabas later on you'll see in this chapter and I really don't have time to go through this but Barnabas was willing to go meet up with Saul after all these other Christians are like no way you don't know who that guy once was no way hold on a second There's no way I'm going out to that guy. I don't really know what's going on here. But Barnabas, willing to almost be mocked and and accused or or, or even uh, laughed scorned by others, was willing to say, I'm going to put my arm around this guy, and I'm going to help him out. I'm going to introduce him to the church family. In fact, in chapter number 11, he really kind of brings him into that church family at Antioch. We're going to see that in just a couple minutes. Barnabas was willing to say, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think. And so many times the will of God is kind of hurt by what we think. But God, I'm not really sure if you're going to provide there. God, I'm not really sure what's going to happen if I do this. God, and we think, and we think, and we think. But throw it out. Because God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. For his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. And when you think about it, God's thoughts are his own. Trust him. Trust him. Hey, my mind has been plagued by sin. as yours? Honestly, right? So I, I'm not even going to trust my deceitful heart. Not going to trust it. Because when God calls, it's time for me just to surrender. It's time for me to just say, okay, God, what you want, I will do. God's will is personal sacrifice. But God's will is, number three, practical i'm sorry I, I skipped a quote oh my goodness man i'm trying this new i, I keep trying new systems of notes after i i allowed my sister to have my ipad so uh <laughs> all right i'm in trouble anyway but i love this quote by leonard ravenhill i love uh leonard ravenhill by the way oh man a man who is intimate with god is not intimidated by man a man who is intimate with God is not intimidated by man. No matter what they might think of me, I don't care. Because me and Jesus make the majority. Hey. Take a look at verse, uh, number three. God's will is practical service. And this is where we're going to kind of get into uh, chapter number 11 of the book of Acts. And we're moving back towards our text. Chapter number 11 of the book of Acts. And we're going to le- read verse number 26. I promise I'm, I'm really getting towards the end here. Verse number 26, and it says, and when he had found him and brought him to Antioch and came to pass a whole year. You know what? I'm, I'm starting in the wrong place. Oh my goodness, Pastor Weigel. I'm starting in the wrong place here. Verse number 19, I'm sorry, here we go. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word of God not... Uh, but unto Jews only, and some of them, which were uh, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, were, uh, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church, which is in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. You see service here. You see the placement of service. The placement of service. This is in the local church. This is where he was serving. He said, listen, okay, if there's going to be a church starting there, I, I, I want a part of that. And he goes and he's able to serve within this church that is really just at its inception at Antioch. And he's able to teach these people and preach to these people and and see these people grow. And in fact, not just grow, but the church in general was growing. This is a placement of service because really it's a place of testifying truth. In the book of First Timothy, you don't have to turn it. It says, "These things write I unto thee, hoping to come to thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know, it, uh, mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The church is the place of testifying truth. It is." The church is a place of testifying the truth to a lost generation about Jesus Christ who loved them and gave his life for them. But not only that, it's a place of, uh, of, of really positive provoking. You see in the book of Hebrews, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling. By the way, the, the word church in the Bible, ecclesia, means an assembly not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I know God's will is in the church. Amen. it's where it's at. God's will is in the church. Are you doing your part in the local church? Are you, do, you doing your part of his will in the local church? Man, we have VBS coming up soon. And some of you are like, nah, I I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? What do you mean you don't know? This is the gospel going out to children. This is the gospel going out to little kids. It's the place of service. Barnabas knew that. He said, listen, this is a local church starting. I'm all over that. When you read in, in chapter number 13, now there was at the church of Antioch, before they were even sent out, They were in the church. They were ministering to the Lord in the church. Placement of service is the church. It is. I believe believe that there are good ministries like the Wilds who are parachurch organizations, but I believe they run because of the church. The practice of spiritual gifts. The practice of spiritual gifts. Take a look at chapter number 13, and here's where we're going to be. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. If you take a look at Romans chapter number 12, you don't have to turn there, but if you read that this afternoon, you'll find, in, in my opinion, probably the best organization of spiritual gifts. And you'll find teachers and prophets within that, within that organization of spiritual gifts. And here they were at the church of Antioch practicing their spiritual gifts. My friend, if you haven't taken a spiritual gifts test, See Pastor Weigel? And then get involved with whatever your spiritual gift is. Whatever your gift is that God has given you, use it for the Lord. Use it in the place of service. Use it in the church. Practice it. It's what God gave to you to use for the exhorting of the saints the practice of spiritual gifts, but I really want to see the person being served, the person being served. Take a look at verse number two of chapter number 13. It says, and as they ministered to the Lord, it was to God. The service was for him. The service was all about Jesus Christ to the Lord, the one that uh, uh, the apostle Paul would call Lord on the road to Damascus. It was all for Jesus Christ. God's will is practical, practical service to him and him alone. Last today, and very simply, God's will is a powerful submission. It's a powerful submission. You know, usually when you think about submission, you don't think powerful. You think weak. You think, uh, uh, kind of lazy. But when you submit to God, it's powerful. It's powerful. Take a look at verse number 2 and 3. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. By the way, that's going to help. It's going to help the spirits leading. Some of these come not but by prayer and fasting. The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. There was no question. There was no question. There was no God, I'm not really sure. You know, for all the amazing things that, that Gideon did and Moses did, there are questions in their mind. There are questions. Gideon literally said, all right, God, if this is really what you want, as God is speaking to him, God, if this is really what you want, here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, lay out my fleece. And, and I, I don't think that's wrong necessarily, but these guys went without question. They went without question. It was just, all right, lead me okay I'm yours I'm surrendered this is your will it's powerful submission because they were sensitive to the spirit's calling I have a quote the greatest servants of God were those who were close enough to God to hear the still small voice of his Holy Spirit calling are you close enough to hear him are you walking so close that you know exactly what he wants Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. I love I love those verses in scripture. It, I mean my imagination toys with with what really happened. And I've really come to the conclusion in my mind that Enoch walked so close with God that he couldn't God couldn't go another day without him in his presence. I mean, it's just God just took him. So I love you so much, Enoch. I just you don't even have to stay there anymore. I'm taking you home. He walked that close to God. What about our testimony? Are we sensitive to his spirit's calling because we walk close to him? Are you walking that close to God? Spirit says, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. I mean, to be honest with you, there's, there's really kind of no confusion. There's no confusion because they went exactly where the spirit wanted. There's no confusion here. They knew what God wanted. They knew where God wanted them to go. But they were also submissive to the Spirit's sending. It wasn't just the church that sent them. By the way, I believe that missionaries should be sent out by the church. I believe that with all my heart. But it wasn't just the church that sent them. It was first and foremost the Holy Spirit that sent them. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. I think many of us, many of us say we're willing to do what God wants, but until God says go, it's almost just lip service. There was a small girl who was given a fake, fake pearl necklace for her birthday. And when she became a teenager, uh, she loved that, that fake pearl necklace. But every single night, her dad would come and say, can you give me that, that necklace? I would love to have that. Can you give me that? The girl just kind of laughed it off and said, no, God, this is, or no, Father, sorry. No, Father, this, this is mine. This is mine. Remember, that this is mine. So every single night, the father would continually ask, you know, can you please see that, 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 that pearl necklace that you have? Finally, it just became so heavy on her and so, so many days that he just kept asking. The daughter just said, you know, I love you, Dad. I'm sorry, I've said no all this time. Here's my necklace. And from around his back, he pulled out this box, and it was real pearls. And he said, this is what I have for you. We hold on so long to what's fake, what we think is real, but it's not. We hold on so long to our hands, which, which really aren't going to take us anywhere, when God has so much bigger and better waiting maybe not physically speaking as far as materials are concerned, but he's got something better for you. My wife and I, three or four months ago, we started asking God for a vision for five years, 10 years, 15 years, something of that nature. And as we started asking God for that vision, we, we really, 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 started getting into a nice time of prayer together. It's my favorite, praying with my wife. I love it. After prayer, my wife said, you know, have you ever considered teaching in a Bible college setting? Have you ever considered that? I think that'd be something awesome that, you know, you'd be good at. And I said, you know what? To be honest with you, I've always really wanted to do that. It's funny that you brought that up. So... You know, my mind is that Bible colleges, they need someone of high degree, you know, a doctorate, you know. And so I'm, I'm finishing up my, my degrees and, and just finished up my master's and, and looking forward to moving on to the next one. And so we, we started praying about kind of a vision for that, for the 15-year plan, 10-year plan, wherever God wanted and whatever he wanted to do. About a month or two later, I was talking to my parents, and as I was talking to them, I kind of told them, hey, this is this is something that, that I've been praying about here and there and just asking God about. And uh, I think it would be really neat and uh, something that, that I would really enjoy. And uh, I think these words slipped out of my mouth. I said, if, if my alma mater, West Coast Baptist College, ever called, I'd take the job in a heartbeat. I I, just, I love that place. I love it. I love that place. I love their their mission. I love what they're set out to do to, to build the local church and to not just build it, but see people saved. Pastor Chapel always says the main thing is the main thing. The main thing is soul winning. That is the main thing. I said those words to my parents and my wife looked at me like I was nuts. A week later, we were on a senior trip and uh, we were, it was Monday, the senior trip and, and my favorite teacher of all time, you heard me mention his name last time. I, I preached about three or four months ago. Same as uh, Dr. Lester. He just connected with me when I was in college, the way he taught, the way he spoke, the way he understood scripture. We connected together. He called me on the Monday of the senior trip and he said, I have a job for you. And he said that I would love to have you because of your spirit, because of your spirit while you were at Bible college, and because of the fact that you love the Bible and you love to teach. And he proceeded to tell me the job and Told me that I'd be teaching in their online program, and I think um, I just started to feel very excited about that. Of course, he had called pastor before he ever called me. He did the right thing; he was ethical about it. And he called pastor, and he got pastor's permission to be able to ask me. And so I said, "You know, I've really got to talk to my pastor when I get home." And uh, so we kind of cut off communication for a little while. And and uh, he sent me basically the job description. I talked to pastor. On my way home from the senior trip, before I met with Pastor, I said, Lord, um, I was more like Gideon than I was like Barnabas and Saul. I said, Lord, if you want this thing to happen, you're going to have to really show me because I love this place. You're going to have to really show me what you want. And so I asked for specific responses from Pastor Weigel. I said, Lord, you're going to have to give these specific responses and Pastor gave me almost to the exact wording, the responses I asked for God to show me, to tell me it's time for me to leave. Pastor Weigel and I are in great terms. I wish you to know that. He loves me and I love him. This is not me being fired. <laughs> I promise. We are on more than great terms. Pastor Weigel, in fact, after that conversation said, it hurts to, to know that you're probably leaving. It hurts. But I know that you'd be a fool not to take this job. I told pastor I never sent out any resumes. I never told anyone outside of my parents and my wife. I never told them about what I was praying about. So we continued discussions, and I, when I went, went out to California for graduation, I interviewed with Dr. Chapel, which was really intimidating. <laughs> but it was a great time. We talked for nearly an hour just about what his vision is and what his goal is. So my wife and I have accepted the position at West Coast Baptist College. And July 28th will be our last day. We are so loved. We are so loved by you all. I think a pastor's going to have to drag me out of my desk. uh, Really with my nails still stuck in a desk. I love that desk. I love this place, and I love preaching in this pulpit. But when God says go, there's no delay. We own a house. We put it up on the market a week ago. We have already received an offer. When God says go, he takes care of it. When God says go, he says, don't worry about that stuff. Honestly, I've been worrying all week. <laughs> I really don't know what to say to you outside of I love you. I really don't know where to go from this, but to say when God says to do something, just follow. No matter how much you love a place, no matter how much you love a thing, my wife loves that house of ours. It was perfect for us. But God said, go. And she said, I'm willing. When God Gives you his will. The most important thing you can do is follow. I love you as a church family. I can't say that enough. If you have any questions, I'd love to answer. But my job out there will be teaching in the online department and building the online department at the school. I get to teach men that are going to be pastors and youth pastors and missionaries for generations to come. I get to teach men who are going to to take the Bible and open it and show people how to know for sure that Christ is their Savior. I get to teach men to be able to do that, and I couldn't be more excited. I get to show generations the love of Christ in a way that I would have never dreamed of being able to do. I hope that you'll pray for us, because this is a big move. I hope that you'll, you'll stop by and say hello and we'll spend some time together, maybe go out to lunch or something of that nature. I hope we get to do that, but I hope more than anything you pray that we continue following God's will because that's the most important thing to me and my family. What is the most important thing to you? Is it your will or is it God's? Let's have a word of prayer. As pastor comes, I just want to ask, what is God's will for you? consider that. Do you need to be saved this morning? Have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? No one looking around, eyes closed, heads bowed. How many say, Pastor Nick, to be honest with you, I don't know for sure if I'm saved. I don't know for sure if I've accepted Christ as my personal Savior. If that's you today, if you'll just raise your hand, I'd love to pray for you. If there's anyone like that this morning, I'd love to pray for you. Dear God, I don't really know what the plan is for all these folks. I don't know what your plan is, but I know it's to reach the lost with the gospel. I know it's to serve in their local church. God, I wonder if they are doing your will. God, I ask and pray for help, for strength, for my family. God, I ask for strength for this church. I love them so. For them to continue spreading the gospel like they have for the past 38, 39 years. Lord, we love you. Bless us. We have this invitation in your name we pray. Pastor. Let's stand. We're going to sing Take My Life and Let It Be.